rebranding everything, but that's like my new brand and working on everything with marketing now. So I'm excited about that. It's going to look really cool. Um, I have a ton of, a ton of ideas as to how to like kick that off and branding and co-branding and things like that. So absolutely about that for sure. So welcome to another episode with think small, do big here with a good buddy of mine. Mr. Jake, how you doing, sir? Hello, Osama. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. For sure. So let's just tell people what you do, uh, what company you're with, how long you've been in the business. Just to go ahead. Yeah. Um, so my name is Jake Steinley, and I'm the head of the Millennium Group at Compass, and been in real estate about six and a half years now. Um, got licensed in 2013. Started off at a smaller brokerage called Chicago Signature Properties and uh, did primarily luxury leasing there. So learned the business kind of from the ground up, um, showing $800 studio apartments to friends when I was 26 years old and now um, at Compass in in the Lincoln Park office and, uh, you know, working on a variety of different things now, ranging from... Uh, multifamily, which was has been my focus for the last few years. Um, also working with uh, resale condos, um, some commercial. I have some clients who own businesses who are looking for for to buy and sell commercial space, rent commercial space, and uh, you know my team helps out with uh, leasing as well. So we kind of cover a little bit of everything. You know when I talk to a lot of my friends and we just like randomly go back and forth. I remember doing a $550 lease after like being in the business for four months. Like it was just the hardest thing to ever do. Yeah. And people don't get that. They just like look at it and like, oh, you just had a $600,000 listing the other day just randomly. I've been in the, I just joined last week. It's like, it's, it's, it's tough that people don't see that. And it's just like, and they don't even understand that 600 is then divided by two. Then it's like this little and thing, then 50% and then, then fifty percent, the yeah. and then just what you and then left, and then, and then you left with literally a hundred dollars. Yeah, you know what though? I mean, I think that everyone the the perception of our industry is that you know we don't work hard and we make a lot of money, and I think that people you know there's a misconception there. The average realtor in America, I think, makes something like forty or fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, so, you know, the television shows that are on now, million dollar listing, you know, that's rehab, how, Windy City Rehab, the things like that. By the way, they got big numbers. from what I've heard. Recently. Yeah, yeah. So a, those big numbers, obviously, it's it's entertaining to watch, but, you know, they don't understand that when you start from, from nothing in the business, you really have to hustle. And that includes, you know, showing a renter around, making two, three, four hundred dollars per transaction. But, you know, it's a good way to learn the business. But people don't understand when... I did my first couple of rentals. Of course, I showed it to this girl and her family. And next day, she calls me like, hey, thank you for your help, but I found something. And I was like, wait, what? Like, like what are you talking about? Like, you didn't want to see it. And they just walk down the street, and they see a sign, and they just go into the building. And it's all done. Yeah. It, it is just like, it happens all the time. You I mean, learn that really quickly you, you that that's part that of that game. I yeah. have said that to people and they never believe me. Like, no, my friend will never do that. I'm like, your friends are the ones that will do it. Yeah. Because they don't care. Yeah. Because they don't understand. And it's just like, it matters to you a lot. So like, for me, my journey was, I literally saw a million dollar listing in New York on television. And I said, you know what? I can do that. I can wear a suit and just show a house. Like, what could it be? I didn't even know it was commission based. 
You did it? I didn't when I first came in. Interesting. I, I was just like, all right, cool. I just graduated. Finance at MIS at DePaul. Like, I'm a smart kid. Like, I could go somewhere else. But I just thought that there's, like, you get paid. Like, you go to a company. They give you a salary. And then there's bonuses involved. So I was, like, just like, all right, cool. Like, and I thought that they were giving me clients. Like, I was just a whole different young, my world, be like, this is going to be the easiest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Then I shopped around like different companies and came in to a small boutique company based on somebody I knew and the rest was history and I was yeah. just like depressed I was like it was the most depressed because you, you what you post post college you don't have that much money mm-hmm. you're trying to figure your life out everybody else is doing this stuff too you're still you're still trying to party a little bit but you're still trying to figure out life and then you're not making any money like at least some people would make some money like weekly the worst part was I never knew where the money was coming from. But that's actually be- actually became great for me down the road. Because my back was always against the wall, so now I don't even feel the wall. But a lot of people can't live that way, so they don't take ch- chances and risks. So this, and we were, I was also lucky because it was my first job. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't go anywhere else. I came in young. A lot of people don't have that. They, I think it's the second or third when they come into this business. Yeah, that's how it was for me. I mean, I was in the insurance world, and I... Moved to Chicago in June of 08, and that was about oh, two and a half months before the huge financial. recession, financial meltdown, and I was working in the employee benefits um, industry, and, you know, in sales, was in training for my first year, but um, was salaried and was just grateful to have a job at that point, because a lot of my friends who were waiting or you know, taking some time off after they graduated from college, you know, they weren't able to get jobs for a while because of how difficult it was in the market to do that. Um, but you're right. Yeah. Real estate kind of happened to me randomly. Um, friend of a friend, I actually decided that insurance was not for me, left my job, um, what at type a of fortune 500 company, uh, employee benefit system. So like, you know, health and ins- setting up health insurance, disability insurance, things like that for businesses um, as a wholesaler working through a broker who brokered our product to their end clients. And um, I was traveling down state Illinois, driving about 800 miles a week, you know, um, from age 23 to about 26. And, uh, you know, would leave Monday night, get back Friday morning and stay in hotels down state Illinois. And, you know, it was a grind and yeah. uh, selling a, a commodity that was being cut from, um, employers yeah. trying to upsell in one of the worst um, recessions in the history of the United States. So that was was a learning experience for sure. Um, but um, I knew I liked real estate in college. I'm from Milwaukee, and my aunt and uncle own about 30-ish rental properties in and around the city of Milwaukee. And for a couple summers um, in between uh, semesters, I would work for them in property management. So we would you know, drive lawnmowers into the back of a van, go mow lawns, we would paint, we would renovate, we would uh, do carpentry, electrical, um, we would serve eviction notices, we would do all kinds of stuff. So I got my taste of real estate in college um, on the not so glamorous side of it. And, you know, uh, when I was switching industries, I kind of, uh, you know, that was the thing that came to mind. And I was like, if I like this side of the business, I think I'll like the broker side of it. And then, you know, introduced to a friend, he gave me a chance, he saw my potential and paid for my licensing and kind of took off from there. There you go. And now you're focusing a lot on 
multifamilies mostly? Um, so, yeah, I would say that my experience in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months has been around uh, multifamily. Um, last year, I worked on buildings anywhere from two units to 60 units. So um, with the primary focus on two to four unit buildings and... Um, yeah, so we were. I was working. I've been working that market for a few years now. It's kind of my neighborhoods have kind of changed over the years because of where investors are looking, and you know, if someone's looking in a more up and coming neighborhood, like I was working the Pilsen market about four or five years ago before it really kind of blew up. So I learned a lot about that sub market, and you know, as you know, Pilsen is one of the hottest markets in the city right now. So do you yeah. think it's going up in your opinion, like overall based on the, all the demands, all the stuff that's happening there? Uh, do I think what is going up? The market is going to be just like West Loop for Pilsen. Um, I think so. I think it has the potential. There's a lot, there's, I think there's more, um, you know, there's more of a, a pushback from the, the residents who've lived in the neighborhood for quite some time yeah. um, that will, I guess, curb it a little bit, curb the growth a little bit. But um, I think, you know, if it's done in the right way, if you still keep some affordable housing down there, there's so much culture. There's so much to love about that neighborhood. It's easy to get to from the loop um, by train or by bus or by car. Uh, it's, you know, it's close to everything. And... As I said, if you want great restaurants, if you want cafes, bookstores, um, live music venues, there's a lot kind of going on down there. So I still think it's on the up and up for sure. So we're living in an era where everybody thinks millennials are going to be buying. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to condos, there aren't that many that are purchasing because, because of the assessments, the taxes in the city. And just putting that down payment, right? Yep. A lot of people are renting because it's easier to just pay $2,500 a month than putting down that big bulk and everything else on the side. Mm-hmm. So if let's just say we have a couple of guys that want to purchase multifamily, would, would you ever recommend them putting their money together and doing it as investing together? Or do you focus on be like, hey, you, if you can do it, get mom and dad to invest with you, do that. Or, hey, go to your lender, see if you can get the lowest down payment possible. Like, what is, what is your way of teaching somebody through the process if they're looking to buy and they want to call you tomorrow? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it really, it's just a matter of uh, having a conversation up front and asking them, asking the client uh, what they're trying to do. Is this something that is their first purchase or have they purchased real estate before? Um, what kind of down payment are they looking to put down? Uh, what neighborhoods are they looking in? That can kind of dictate um, what programs you would qualify for. Uh, if it's something that's a low down payment um, option, you know, you can go the FHA route. It just has to be in a neighborhood that will qualify. And, uh, you know, there were some previous uh, options as far as financing goes for multifamily um, with lower down payment resources, uh, the home possible loan program in spe- specifically was around for about three or four years. And then they changed the income requirements for that program in July of last year. And that allowed buyers to put as little as 5% down if it was an owner occupied two to four unit property in a, a zip code that qualified. Yeah. And um, once that went away, you know, it uh, kind of changed how we, how I and my team um, positioned multifamily. Um, but to answer your question about, you know, bringing in partners, asking mom and dad for money, um, you know, I think that if, 
if you're living in one unit, I think, and you're renting out the other units in the building, what we call house hacking, more or less, um, having your mortgage paid for by your tenants in your building or, you know, subsidized at least and having a a lower payment, um, you know, I think that that is a great idea for someone who's comfortable with real estate. I think there's this misnomer with with multifamily that... uh, it's a lot to handle, which it is. It's a it's a building. You own the whole building. You have a lot more responsibility than you would uh, for a condo in a high rise. But it's just a matter of of walking a buyer through what those responsibilities are. You know, making sure that you have the right partners uh, on the team when you when you acquire the building, inspect inspectors, attorneys, um, contractors, brokers. You know, someone who's familiar with doing a transaction like that. Um, that can give them the peace of mind. And then what our what we provide on the back end as well, if it's a multifamily or an investment property, our team will help with leasing a property up sure. um, and screening tenants, which is extremely important as well. So it's just to answer your original question on, you know, if it's the right fit or, or what type of options with regards to, you know, getting the money for the down payment financing um, down payment options, things like that. You just really have to qualify the buyer client up front and see what they're looking for and where they're looking. So my thinking always has been is you probably do a lot of multifamily. What do you personally look into when you're walking through? It's like it's everything that you've probably done so many, but at least these three things are always a red flag or these things or whatever because you can't, because every, every one of them usually at this point is as is. Yeah. So you don't want to get something and then you find out, you're like, wow, this building is about to crash. Well, I'm sure you've noticed it too. The market's extremely hot right now. I mean, multifamily has picked up over the last two years significantly. Yeah. Um, You know, we're seeing cap rates go down because pricing is going up and taxes are going up. So, you know, a couple of years ago where you're seeing six, seven percent cap rates, now it's between five and six and... uh, it's still a great investment. I mean, if you're comparing it to cap rates in New York City and Los Angeles and San Francisco, um, where you're seeing cap rates two, three percent, um, you know, it makes and the price of entry here in Chicago is just it's a lot lower than it would be on in either of the, in any of those markets. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I still think it's a great idea. And when you're when you're looking at a building, you know, you look at it a lot differently than you would a condo. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of questions you need to ask. First things that I look for, especially when a building is sold as is, is number one, um, you got to go in the basement or check out the crawl space of the property. Um, first walk the exterior, go into the basement, take a look at the foundation, um, and then kind of look at the more expensive projects that would potentially come up with regards to plumbing. Um, you know, would you have to replace the galvanized pipes? Would you have to update the electrical in the building? Um, is it a boiler for heat or is it central heat with an HVAC? Um, the age of the windows, I think, is another big one, especially when you have a building and you have sometimes 15, 20, 30 windows in a property. Um, replacing all of those could be a huge expense. And um, I think as far as some other things go, the age of the roof, uh, a lot of times agents who are representing the seller, they should have all of this information handy. Um, But a lot of times they don't because these property owners have owned these buildings for 20, 30 years and haven't necessarily taken the best records of the improvements that they've made or um, when they've updated things and things like that. So 
you know, if you aren't able to get all of that information up front, then even if you're buying as is, you can still conduct a property inspection, which is I always recommend no matter what, because um, you should still have an, uh, an inspection contingency in your offer. Of and course. If something comes up, yeah. then you should be able to back out. Yeah, I, I, when I do my multifamily, like the norm is what, seven days? I always make it like 10 or 14 for mm-hmm. inspection. Because, for sure. Because I don't know what's going to pop up, and I'm not going to be requesting extensions. Like, I'd rather have a couple of days extra for my safeguard, but a lot of the time, they will know. The yeah. seller's agent like, no, let's just do five days. So, like, what? Mm-hmm. How did we just make that big of a difference? Yeah. And also, things come up during attorney review as well. If you don't have a survey, you know, if you find that there are code violations on the property from the city, if you find out that there are easements with the city... You know, there have been a million things that have come up that um, we uncovered after we went under contract on the deal when we did our due diligence. So, again, this is just I'm just reiterating why it's important to work with someone who's experienced yeah. when you're looking at these things because, you know, working in the multifamily realm is why I think I'm a specialist in that realm is because people who, who focus primarily on residential condos, single-family homes... Um, and aren't really as familiar with looking for uh, specific things with regards to multifamily um, or are not familiar with the process or are not familiar with the finance, the financial aspects of so it. So they're mostly understanding macro while you focus on the micros. Correct, yeah. So that's like the sure. details that's just going to crumble if you, people don't focus on it. Yeah. Right? That's something that I, when I first did my deal, because you have to, like, and then I was like, whoa, there was just so many moving parts like so many things happening, but at least I had people that were buying the place that were more informed because it wasn't their first time purchasing. Mm-hmm. So unless you're informed and you're done and this is your 20th one, of course you can just put any, buy, find any agent to put an offer in for a building. Right. But you still need these types of things to like move forward. Like you need all the team. You have a team. It's not just you. Mm-hmm. So everybody's on top of it as well. But uh, let, how do you stay in front of clients? Let's just say... Do you do like a monthly CMA, sending it to people like like for you to also give back to them once the deal is done, like all that stuff where, okay, neighborhood's changing, the market report. Do you guys have something in place for, as a team that you guys do as well? Yeah, I mean, that's huge, right? I mean, constantly staying in front of your your sphere, I guess just you sphere, could call Instead it, of just sending like important. a monthly email, just like everybody yeah. sends, like there's something that adds value to them specifically. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people that I've seen, I, I know some guy, he does it a lot. He sends like a monthly or I think every two months, like a video report of their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And like this, like it's like a very personalized one. Of course, you go through each one. But I feel like a lot of people are changing that way to do it and get it in front of them, too. Because yeah. I can send you a postcard, be like, just listed, that yeah. you don't care about. Or I could send something that really, really affects you. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah. It differs a little bit between buyers and sellers. I think buyers, it's just a matter of making sure that they're that you're organized with yeah. all of them. Because, you know, if someone wants a renovated, turnkey, four-unit building, you have to make sure that you're sending them... property specific specific things um because on the buy side you know uh investors just uh, investors are just looking for their next great deal you know so if you can bring that value to them and bring them things that are 
both, you know, a lot of times they just skim the market. They don't necessarily dive in and look and see what opportunities are actually out there. And then a lot of what I do is I bring off market opportunities to, uh, to our, to our buyer clients, because I think that whether it's a fit or not, it shows that I'm looking and it shows that I'm bringing value to them because I feel that I'm only as good as the next deal that I put in front of my buyer clients. So that's extremely important. Um, on the buy side and the sell side, you know, targeting specific neighborhoods. I have a lot of experience. I've done deals from, um, the South shore on 72nd and Coles all the way up to Rogers park. So, you know, I have a lot of experience throughout the entire city and uh, it's just a matter of picking which market that you've done some business in and sending out market reports specifically to owners of, you know, two to four unit buildings is what we've kind of focused on. Um, and just getting a face to face meeting. I think, uh, you know, I think Compass uh, gives us a lot of um, awesome marketing uh pieces that we can bring to them or put together and it's you know it makes us look really good as agents and you know some of the programs that we also have um within compass i think are fantastic uh compass concierge is amazing that's a you know that's a huge selling point for us as brokers um whether you're going into a condo that needs updating or whether you're going into a building that needs updating um if i can tell an owner who you know may may not want to spend 50 grand on fixing X and Y. Or doesn't um, have it, probably. Or, but owns the building outright. Or owns the building you know? outright. Exactly. And, 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 so he's not going to be afraid of it, yeah. For sure, and it'll help us sell it quicker or sell it for more money, then I can position that program, and I think... Uh, it's just a matter of getting in front of sellers, and you know, it's, I went on eighty-five listing appointments last year in multifamily. So that's amazing. Yeah, that's so a lot. You got to hustle. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just it's one of those things where you your experience kind of speaks for itself. And then um, I think you know, again, working with someone who knows what they're doing, underwriting uh, buildings for buyers, underwriting building for sellers to derive a price. It takes experience to get to that point, so you know. So when you said you went to eighty-five listing appointments, was there mostly referral based, or was that just having them finding you through Compass and you guys being the top guys in the multifamily realm? Or yeah. Like how was that that you felt that every time you were getting that appointment, that you were the one that was recommended to them because there have to be something for them to give you a call. For sure, um, it was a combination of a lot of things. I mean, it was past business, past relationships, um, networking events, Chicago family meetups, um, Chicago multifamily meetups that are monthly. Um, so, you know, connecting sure. with yeah. other brokers and investors throughout Chicagoland through that route, um, neighborhood sales analysis booklets, sphere of influence, and um, staying on top of everything. So you have to do everything. To you kind of do, and I like think people, that that's... That's what people don't get. It's yes. Just like they do one thing. And you can't thing just do it just, once. Yeah, you have to yep. con- cons- consistently do it, and you have to make it part of your... Um, routine. Part of your routine, monthly, weekly, however you want to do it. Um, and it doesn't have to be anything too fancy. You know what? If you can come up with a, with a simple idea and make it look a little different than everyone else does, you're going to stand out and make it look really nice. I think what what I really pride myself on is every single property, it, I'm so meticulous with how I want it to look because yeah. you only have one chance to make a first impression. Absolutely. And as soon as your property hits the market, whether it's on Compass Coming Soon, on Top Agent Network, on the private listing network, if it's pre-market or if it's even on the market on the MLS and consumers can search it, you know, when they see that property and they click through the photos, 
what are they going to think? You know, and it's super important to make them think that, wow, these photos look awesome or wow, this place looks awesome or, you know, this is a great, this is being marketed very well or even like having a great headshot. I think that that's super important, you know? I I 100% Um, agree with that. So I think it's how you, how you present everything together as one is very important and uh, you only have one chance to do that. I, I always talk about when it comes to consumers and we're consumers ourselves with everything we do, like all the clothes we wear. If we're on Instagram and Facebook. It's like when you're watching television, we go back on our phone again when the commercials hit. And if you don't do first impressions right, you're getting skipped on. And like attention span is less than a second these days. We're constantly moving. I don't care if it's my friend. If it's Instagram story, I know where he is. I'm just pressing that button and just going yeah. next, next, next until something pops up that I'm like, wait. And I go back and I'm like, wait, what is this? Just like that, you pre- for us, especially in real estate, we're presenting ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Like we can't just show up wearing a T-shirt to a listing appointment. That's like that, like simple rules. Like I see, I still see some people when they're showing me a house, like go being MIA, like yeah. not even responding back. Or cell phone photos or, on listings. Or cell phone photos on listings. Or sideways on which is properties. listen, which is fine. We have HD cameras. Right, on you're our right. Phone. I'm talking about but, if, but, it's, but, if it's sideways. But, but and... when you're in the when you're in the mirror, in the bathroom, and I see you taking that picture, that is when I get really upset, and it's just it's just little things that people don't do because they just expect others to come to them. Mm-hmm. We're in the business. We're in the we're in the referral business. Like we're just in a business where we're supposed to be getting leads all the time, and the only way we're going to be doing leads is if we do everything. Mm-hmm. But we, like I I was just talking about recently, just before we started this podcast with you, is that I don't do po- uh, postcards, and I feel like I can really do some really funny postcards and send it out in the neighborhoods where I think like over other people I can stand out with the pictures that I'll put in and whatnot because instead of me telling you about it you're just gonna see it i feel like that's something that i haven't gone into but a lot of people can do that i know some one guy that does a cma that's his niche and but you can't just do it eight times and then give up right you got to keep on going yeah i remember like my first rental was like i did over 200 craigslist ads and some girl finally like i had some other ones too mm-hmm. but she came in then and that was that was the only way for me to do it there was no other way my friends were still in college they could they were they were looking for roommates to find it and whatnot so i had nothing to do but it's it's the journey too you know like that's yeah. something that we want to focus on as well and i think the, the you know you i think in my opinion the future of real estate is still going to involve brokers and yeah. i think I think the cream is going to rise to the top. I think that when the market, if and when the market slows down or checks up, the brokers who are in the habit of doing things the right way, getting professional photographs done, having floor plans drawn, consistently staying in front of their clients. Standards. Standards that, you know, three or four years ago when you have 50 people coming to an open house and you have 15 offers on the table... You could be a pretty face who shows up at a listing and yeah. all of a sudden you sell it for twenty five, fifty thousand dollars over asking and it's, it's easy. Life's good, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. But it's it's hard. Real estate's really hard. It's, 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 bro- it's being a broker is really hard. I tell people and that I all don't the think time. people understand that. And it's a lot of work. And you work seven twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, whether you have a team, whether you have an assistant, you're always, you're always going to have to be, you know, accessible and working, but 
when it gets harder to sell, when pricing becomes more important, or when um, it, things get more competitive, because, or interest rates just go up, or interest rates go up, or all of a sudden, you know, people want to interview four or five brokers. You're really going to have have to have your pitch down. You're going to have to have your marketing plan down. You're going to have to really differentiate yourself, and I think that that's you know you can't commoditize a person in a space selling a home. You can't do that. What that's I kind of what I see. The future, what I've been being. telling everybody and what I've been hearing from my best friends, and which I'm actually going, I've been doing as well. We don't we Google everybody a lot, but us but ourselves because we're afraid to see like how we look compared to everything else. It's just like it's like a it's like a it's like a something that happens every time right like we we don't want to know we don't want to know certain things just like that if i were to have a meeting with any agent or anybody or anybody i'm going to google them i'm going to look them up on instagram it's just like the nature of the game yeah. and if you're not in the first 2 seconds looking like you're in that realm you already lost my respect for just something you know like this is how we this is how we're judging people today mm-hmm. so if you're not just self-marketing for yourself and talking to people about real estate or being seen showing some places, you may be losing that over somebody that's doing that. So like, cause I already, I could feel the connection with somebody if they had a video and they were talking about something. I'm like, I know how he is. I know how she talks or whatever it is. But I feel like that's also the future as well. Like people need to focus a little bit on that because everybody's Googling everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just like when you're when we're when we're screening for tenants, they're screening for us for their stuff too. So I feel like that's something that I've lost when I was younger because I didn't have anything. Yeah. Over somebody that would have came in and be like, oh yeah, you sold that one because you had a picture of something. But anything is better than nothing. I feel like that's like something that people should focus on a lot more as well. And and I think video is the next movement over pictures mm-hmm. where people are constantly seeing each other talk about that. So I feel like those are amazing, amazing advice that people need to understand and follow through in my opinion and just keep on doing it because it's not going to happen right away. Well, I just think that's a, a good point to make in general though. Um, you know, it's not just in real estate. People Google other people all the time. Yeah. Whether you're looking, well, it's, whether it's an employer who you just interviewed with or... Um, an investor who wants to invest in your company, or you or go on a date, you go you're gonna, date, you're just, yeah, everybody, whatever, it's always, it's it always. Is. So that's a really good point. You know, you have to make sure that, uh, so, especially in today's day and age, that you're, um, you have a reputable, <laughs> respect, respectable image. You know, out there like like the that's what I'm doing. I'm right now currently writing my own uh, <laughs> like Wikipedia page. So just in case, like you know what, it's just like everything <laughs> is on the side. Like make it look so pretty. They're just like wow. Like a couple of links are just moving. There's an ad right there too. So <laughs> you're just clicking on it. But it's just like I feel like that's where we'll go. But yeah, man. Do you want to add any final thoughts? Um, where can people find you? What's your email? Couple yeah, of different details. Of course. Uh, my email is jake.steinley, S-T-E-I-N-L-E, at compass.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Jake Steinley um, or at underscore the Millennium Group. And yeah, if, if after listening to this, listening to this podcast, you have any questions, um, be happy to share 
whatever information you, you'd like to see. Uh, happy to walk you through any investment uh, properties I've worked on. Um, <laughs> Google me. Google. Go to my... Go Don't to my, Google him yet. Go wait to a my, week. Co- wait go a to week. my Compass, uh, Compass page. You can see a lot of the buildings that I've sold. So um, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. But if you're going to Google me, wait a week because I'm writing my <laughs> Wikipedia page, everybody's, and it needs to be perfected. So just wait on that. Oh, yeah, and if you need any uh, styling tips, Jake's the man, (laughs) just so everybody knows. I wear a lot of hats, you know. Perfect, perfect. (laughs) Thank you again for coming on.